Hello, and welcome to First Importance, the preaching and teaching ministries of First Baptist Church, West Memphis, Arkansas. Our prayer today is that you will be blessed and encouraged by the message to come. If you have your Bibles, open them up to the book of Genesis. We're going to be everywhere today as we take a break from our current series, okay? We're interrupting this regularly scheduled broadcast of the Gospel of John to bring to you today a special message looking at a special topic here on Mother's Day. And we have to talk about some wonderful things today, a wonderful concept. Uh, as we take this break, we want to have a biblical look. We want to speak, I hope, with biblical clarity on the issue of not only mothers, but women in a message I've entitled today, the inestimably high worth, the inestimable, excuse me, the inestimable high worth that God places on women, the inestimable high worth that God places on women. Would you pray with me, please? Father, I need your word today. I need your ability. I don't have it in and of myself. And Lord, I just pray that somehow today, uh, through my weakness, you would just show your gospel and your power as being perfect. And Lord, I know that in this room, there are different people from different stages of life going through different difficulties and challenges. There are those who are watching online who are going through different uh, stages of their life, different difficulties and challenges. Lord, I pray that you alone would meet them right now where they're at. Speak to them today through your word. It's in the name of Jesus. I pray these things. Amen. Before we really dive into multiple texts today, as we look at the worth that God has placed on women, the value that God has placed on women, it's kind of odd that we even now have to begin to define what a man and what a woman is. And today, by the way, is not exactly a politically correct service, or it's not a politically correct sermon. And while I understand that there are those who are dealing with difficult things and issues in their life that we all can't fully comprehend, uh, I don't want to be insensitive to that, but at the same time, I want to speak with biblical clarity as to what God has to say on the matter of anything, especially today, on the issue of women. Anytime you have a culture war, by the way, the first battle is over the battle of the dictionary. Anytime there is a culture war that happens in society, the first battle that is fought on definitions and on terms and, and what they mean. You'll find that in any culture war that we have in today, especially as we face what does God say on the matter of sexuality? What does God say on the matter of, of uh, gender? What does God say on the matter of the family? What does God say on the matter of the difference between men and women? And it is a sad state of affairs, really, that the enemy of this world has people so distracted and so blinded that what we're going to say today might seem controversial. But friends, I want you to know the church has spent far too long trying to look like and trying to please the world. We are to be counter-cultural. If God is holy, if we say, uh, if the Bible is who God says he is, okay, 
if we say that we believe the Bible, then what we do, the way that we live, ought to look completely different from everyone else. As a matter of fact, the scripture seems to indicate that we will look so different that we will be seen, we will seem like foreigners. We will seem like aliens when compared to, to everyone else in this world. If God is who he says he is in his word, and if we believe that he is who he says he is in his word, and if we are born again, he has come into our life, we must look different. And for a time, the church has really worked its way to fit in. Some would say that it's actually kind of been a blessing of God in times past, but I want to suggest to you that there's never been a time where the church has been compatible with the world ever, ever. And especially right now as we look at the times that we are in, we want to have a right view on things. And today, as we honor those sisters in our lives, godly women in our lives, I want to talk to you today about the high value and worth that God places upon women. And so, as we go to our first point today, I would like for you to join me in the book of Genesis in chapter 2. Genesis in chapter 2, as we look at the creation of all things, I want you to see first and foremost uh, that ladies, our sisters, you were created with care. Created with care. Genesis chapter 2, let's begin in verse 7. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Here we discover in verse 7 a change of events. In all of Genesis chapter 1 prior to this event, God had spoken things into existence. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 1 beginning in verse 1 and 2, the first words ever spoken by God to this world is, let there be light. And he spoke it into existence. Everything that you can see or perceive or feel or hear, all of that was created by God just speaking it into existence. Think of the power of your God and of my God. Think of the power of our God. He spoke all of this into existence. There was no secret laboratory that he was uh, sitting back in, uh, uh, preparing uh, chemicals and trying to get everything ready so that the earth would be just right, so that the universe would be just right. It wasn't by trial and error. No, God perfectly spoke everything into existence just by speaking it into existence. He said, and it was. Can I get an amen? That's our God. He said, and it was. In all of Genesis chapter 1 prior to this point, God spoke it into existence. The moon and the stars, he spoke it into existence, and there they were. I think of, if you, if you go today to uh, NASA's website and you look at the pictures and the video that's coming back from the surface of Mars, Perhaps you've seen uh, several weeks ago they placed a 360 picture of the nighttime sky of Mars. And there on the surface of Mars, you can see it illuminated by the beautiful, beautiful nighttime sky there. Stars everywhere. It's gorgeous. And I want you to know this. God spoke it 
into existence. That's the power of God. He spoke everything into existence. The sky, the, the, the land, he rose up just by speaking to it. The birds, the animals. But here, when we get to the creation of mankind, God approaches it differently. And it's almost as if God gets down on his hands and on his knees. And he takes that dirt and he forms mankind. He forms us with his own hands and he leans down and he, he breathes into us the breath of life. There is intimacy here. There is a marked difference between us and everything else. And friends, I want you to know that you were created with care. God places a high value on women because he created you with care. This is not just the account of God raising up Adam. This is the account of God raising up mankind. Look in Genesis chapter 2 and verses 18 through 22. Where the scripture says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now, out of the ground... The Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to, to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. Verse 20. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its flesh, place with his flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into woman and brought her to the man. What do we see here? What do we see in this divine creation? We see the hand of God, not just speaking things into existence, but with care, creating mankind, creating women. Here we see that you are created with care. He took a bone from Adam's side, his rib, not from his head so that we would be, uh, so that the woman would be above man, not from the feet so that she would be below, but from the rib so that we would be equals walking hand in hand together in this place. You were created with care. When you think that no one else cares about you, or when every other culture or any other culture says that there is less value on a person based upon their color or based upon their culture or based upon their gender, when any of these happens, you can understand this. Regardless of what any culture speaks, God created you with care. From his own lips to our own ears, here in his own word, we understand that you were created with care. And it stands to reason that those who he creates with care, he loves. My sisters, you were created with with care. But secondly, I want you to see with me in Genesis chapter 1 in verses 26 through 27 that you were designed to display. That you were designed to display. Genesis chapter 1 in verses 26 through 27. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. God created you 
in his own image. Now, when I go to the Old Testament, I can learn a lot about idols. And so, when it comes to idol making in the Old Testament, when it comes to idol making during that era, people would take their concept of God. Maybe he has a nose and ears and eyes, or perhaps he may look like a, a calf. There you go, the book of Exodus. He would look like a calf, a golden calf. And even though God had saved Israel from slavery in Egypt, there at Mount Sinai, they gathered together and they melted down the gold and they made an image of a calf. And that was what their God would look like. We need to know what God looks like. We need to know, uh, uh, we need to have an image of him. There's no, they did not believe that that actual idol was the actual God. Rather, when they looked at the, at the idol, they believed they could see what their God actually looked like. Friends, I want you to know this. When God created you, he created you to bear his image, to reflect him. Men and women, I, I speak to our sisters today, God designed you to display his glory so that when others look at you, they could see what God is like. If you have a low view of God, you reflect a low view of God and a low power in God to others who are around you. If you live a life, if you've been saved here today, if you've repented of your sins, if you're born again, called upon Jesus as Lord, and you live life in a fleshly way, you show others that God is really not as powerful as you say he is. We can't hear you over your actions. Rather, friends, I want you to know this. You were designed to display God to the world so that others would look at you and see what God is like. Can I ask you a question? Do you display what you were designed to display? Are your words and actions with your family or at work, are they displaying a Christ-like behavior? When people look at you, do they know a little bit more about God or are you just the me show? Showing all about me, showing all about you. Friends, you were designed to display. We know that God places a high value on women because he designed them to display his glory. He designed men and women today specifically to say, our sisters, he designed you to display your glory. And let me tell you why that's good. Let me tell you why it's wonderful. Your value, your worth is not based on upon, upon what you can provide for others. Today, you are only worth something to someone so far as you make them happy or you do what they like. And then in our society today, if they don't do that or the minute that they fall short, you cut them off. But ladies, sisters, and even my brothers, I want you to know, you have value not based on who you are, not based on the color of your skin, not based on the content of your character, not by your work or accomplishments. Your value is based upon your creator. When God created you, he imprinted his own image on you. Just like that green paper in your wallet or purse, you are only worth the image you bear. What image are you bearing? What are you showing to those who are around you? You have value, a high, an extremely inestimable high value placed upon you because you were designed to display. 
Number three, I want you to see that you are planned with purpose. You are planned with purpose. Genesis chapter 2, 18 says this, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. My sisters, I want you to understand, you are planned with a purpose. You are a helper of all of mankind. All of mankind would be nowhere without you. Humanity would be lost without you. And there's these rumors that have floated around the world for so long that the Bible is suppressive toward women. Friends, I want you to know when the Bible speaks into a culture, it doesn't fit within that culture and try to just get by with whatever it can. When God speaks, it goes across cultures. That's why Americans, we don't corner the market on what is right and what is moral. We have to look to God's word. We have things that are deeply ingrained in our own culture that are counter-biblical, that we have to address and face, which again, by the way, is why we are better together, which is why we're better when we go across the lines of white and black and while we go across the lines of different cultures and we come together and we just say, our culture is the Bible, okay? My culture is going to be the Bible. I was reborn here. This is what I'm to live for. It doesn't matter what anything else says or what any other creed is. My culture will be as my king directs. But there are rumors. There are rumors that the Bible is suppressive toward women. In the year 2000, the 39th president of the United States, and arguably one of the most popular Baptists in the field of politics, Jimmy Carter, left the Southern Baptist Convention. And his stated reason for leaving the SBC was that Baptists did not believe in the equality of women, citing the decision of the SBC to continue to interpret the scripture by regarding the qualifications for deacon and pastor to be exclusively toward men he left. And it says... And many perceive that because we were created differently, or because the scripture says we were created differently, that God is sexist, or that that interpretation is sexist. This is difficult for me to say, because I know this is politically incorrect, but men and women, you were created differently. God designed you equal, but different, okay? Men, you can't do everything that women can do. And women, you can't do everything that men can do. And to show you how crazy and backwards our society is, that statement is viewed as hate speech. And that statement is viewed as backwards. But friends, I want you to know that according to the Bible, God created us together equally, but with different purposes, with different uh, 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 designs if you come to the scripture and you, and you study and you go away saying that God is suppressive toward women, you have simply misread and misunderstood the text. The scripture says here that you're planned with a purpose. You're indispensable to mankind. And I know that throughout the years in, uh, in fault with fallen man, that, that men have abused power either ignorantly or maliciously, but that is no reason for us to disregard what the scripture has said. We are, you were planned with a purpose. As a helper for all of mankind, as a foundational pillar in the institution of the family. Women, I want you to understand this, my sisters, 
The family cannot function without you. It cannot function properly without you. It cannot function the way that God had designed without you. The way that God designed marriage, the way that God designed uh, 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 families, it is important for you to love Jesus and serve him in those institutions when God has placed you in those institutions. You are indispensable to the family. I think today of my own mother. I think uh, of uh, how blessed I have been in my life to continue to have her to call and to talk to. I think of all those selfless acts that she had. Listen, I want to tell you a story. I didn't share this in the first service, and this is going to tell you just the caliber of pastor you have, okay? Uh, when I was young, I got r scared all the time, okay? So I'm a little bit more... Uh, uh, compassionate toward Bo when he gets scared. But I got scared all the time. And one time we watched a movie called, okay, I was a kid, okay? And we watched this movie called Earnest Scared Stupid, okay? <laughs> all right. So uh, we watched this movie and I'm like, it's earnest. It's going to be funny. You know, it was, you know, that, that era for us. And so we're like, it's going to be great. And all of a sudden there are these little monsters in there. And I'm starting to think in there like, okay, it's daytime, so I ain't got nothing to be worried about. But at nighttime, these monsters, <laughs> Ernest scared stupid, look pretty frightening, okay? And Ernest saves the day, by the way, in case you didn't know, okay? But we found out in the movie that these monsters were lactose intolerant. And so you didn't have to be afraid because you just could squirt them with milk and then they would go away. So, it was the middle of the night. This is the way I remember it. Maybe, maybe this isn't exactly how the movie goes. This is my childhood memory. So, in the middle of the night, we watched Ernest Scared Stupid. We go to bed. I'm sharing a bed with my brother. He goes straight out, just like always, okay? Not a problem. And I'm sitting there thinking like, man, what happens if these monsters come in my bedroom tonight? And so, I run to my mom and dad's bedroom. And I tell mom, I am really afraid of these monsters that I watched on earnest, scared, stupid. And I'm going to repeat that over and over again, okay, just so you can know the caliber of pastor that you have, all right? And so I'm like, Mom, Mom, I, I'm just so... And finally, my mom, in her, just like her tender heart, got a glass of milk and come and sat by my bed until I fell asleep. <laughs> Do you think my dad would have done that? There ain't no way my dad would have done that. He would have found a way to get me back to bed. But it wouldn't have been as kind and compassionate. Friends, I want you to tell you, mothers are indispensable to the family. The way that God designed the family, you are an intricate piece to that. We cannot function the way that we ought to if you're not there. If you're not, if you're not following Jesus and serving in that capacity as the wife the Proverbist will say in 31 verses 10 through 12, an excellent wife who can find she is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts her. He will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of his life. Men all around this room can testify to the gratitude we have to our God because of our wives that he has placed in our lives. And again for mothers, the scripture says in Proverbs 31, in verse 28, her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also praises her 
many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Let me speak to young mothers here today. It may not feel like your children will ever rise up and call you blessed. It may feel like they'll rise up and call you everything but. But mothers, stick to it. Keep being the mother that God has called you to be. Weather those storms. Lean on Jesus. Those who tell you God won't give you more than you can stand, lied to you. He will so that you will lean on him so that the accomplishment will be done by him and not you. God doesn't want a bunch of people in heaven who have got all these trophies saying, look what I did, look what I did, because we can't do that. He, you are his trophy, his trophy of grace. So he will give you more than you can handle so that you will lean on him. He doesn't want you out here doing it by yourself. He'll give you more than you can handle. You are indispensable to the family. You are indispensable to the church. Sisters, what would we do without you? What would we do without you? Ephesians chapter 5 says that in the role of marriage, of husband and wife, the woman reflects the role of the church. We could not understand the gospel as clearly without sisters, without women in our lives. God has placed a high value on you. He has created you with care. He has designed you to display. He has planned you with purpose. And number four, I want you to see he's purposed you to preserve. Several years ago, we went through the book of Revelation together. And as we went through the book of Revelation, we saw in chapter 1 how a society falls apart, how a society abandons God. Though they look at creation and they are without excuse, they know that there is a God, yet they were ungrateful, they were unthankful, and they burned in their own passions. And in verse 26 of chapter 1, the scripture records, For this reason God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. I want you to understand this today. Women are traditionally those who preserve. Who preserve a society. Women are those who have their heads attached when men do not. Traditionally, overall, when you look at the scope of human history, you show me a nation whose women have abandoned the word of God and I will show you a nation who has abandoned the word of God. You show me a nation filled with women who have abandoned the worship of God and I will show you a nation whom God has abandoned. Women preserve. Sisters, we need you. God places a high value on you. You preserve our society. How thankful I am that God has created us this way, created us differently, with different abilities, made for different tasks. How beautiful is it, is it that God has done that? He has purposed you to preserve when women have abandoned God in a society it is a sign that God has abandoned them the perfect example of course is to go to the book of Judges when you go to the book of Judges you will see frequently this cycle of people doing what is right in their own eyes and then God giving them up to their own desires giving them up to their own enemies and that's where we find Deborah leading in the book of Judges. 
often used as a reason for, uh, for the flip-flop of roles in the church. Deborah's leadership in the book of Judges is a sign of the wickedness of the time. That is not to say that women should not lead. That is showing simply here in the book of Judges, the book of Judges is not a template. Women are designed to preserve a society. That's why the New Testament the church was filled with women supporters. That's why on average 60% of women in the United States will tell you that religion is the most important things in their lives versus 47% of men. That's why 64% of American women will say that they prayed verses in a day while only 47% of men will say the same. That's why 40% of religious women say they attend religious services once a week versus men, only 32%. God places a high value on you, sisters, because you preserve our society. Brothers, where would we be without our sisters in Christ? Where would we be without the grace that God has placed on this world through women? God placed a high value on women throughout his entire ministry the Samaritan woman in John 4, the woman caught in adultery in John 7. Women were the first witnesses to the resurrection. All throughout Scripture, you can read of how women saved empires, such as Esther, or who provided a godly line through which the Messiah would be born, like Ruth. All throughout Scripture, you can read of how women have preserved our society. Praise God. He has placed a high value on our sisters. And then finally, fifthly and finally, I want you to see that you were made for worship. We were made for relationship. And this extends beyond our sisters now, directly to both our sisters and our brothers. God has designed you to have a relationship with Him. You've heard it said there's a God-sized hole in all of our hearts, and we try to fill it with everything, don't we? Well, you can look today, you'll see those who've worked all their lives to find peace and joy through money. And they've worked and they've saved, and it doesn't matter how many cars and how many yachts and how many planes they have, they still have no joy because they're missing what matters most. And there are those who filled that hole with relationships. And they have good relationships. They don't have a lot of money, but what they do have, they share. And they have great relationships, but still something is missing. Searching and searching and searching. God created you to have a relationship. In the book of Ecclesiastes, the Bible says that God has placed eternity in all of our hearts. That means this, we know that there's something beyond death and we know that there's something beyond ourselves. And until we have been born again, until we come to know Jesus, we still are empty. We still have that hole in our hearts. You were made for a relationship. And unless you're fulfilling that purpose, unless you're living that purpose, you're gonna have times in life, you're gonna have, you're gonna have a life that's that it lacks joy. And you know, by the way, some people fill it with good stuff, like being really involved in your family or being really involved in your church. Those are good things, but they don't take the place with walking close to Jesus. I'm, I'm, God's really been working on my heart in Psalm 37 and verse four. I preached it to our senior adults Thursday, but God wasn't done preaching it to me. In a, in a very real way, I didn't understand it Thursday as 
as much as I do now. And hopefully next week I understand it more than I do today. But Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So I was sitting out in the backyard yesterday, and I was thinking about this verse. And I didn't hear the audible voice of God, but it was almost like I heard God saying to me, Hey, Josh, have you forgotten how to delight in me? Have you forgotten how to do that? I mean, with, with entertainment so readily available. Watch mo any type of movie, any time you want, play any type of video game, go on the internet, any type of distraction is ready for you any time that you want it. And it was almost like God was saying to me, Josh, have y'all forgotten how to delight in me? It's no wonder so many church services and so many church members have so much lack of joy because they filled that hole in their heart with the church or with anything but their delight in God. My question to you today is this. Are you delighting in him? Are you walking with him? You were made to worship him. And until you're walking with him, things aren't going to feel right. Thank you for joining us for this episode of First Importance. We invite you to check out our other sermons on this podcast and to join us in person on Sundays at 8.30 or 10.45 a.m., as well as streaming live on Sunday mornings at 10.45. We hope to see you soon at First Baptist West Memphis, where we love God, care for one another, and share the gospel. Thank you.